Good morning and welcome to The Journey. We're glad that you are hanging out with us today. Many of you were like the guy underneath the sheets. It was too cold for first service, so you just put the covers back on, which we wouldn't blame you for. It's a little chilly out there this morning, but we're glad that you're here, especially as we begin this brand new year. Uh, As we get started this morning, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pull out your cell phone, okay? Pull out your cell phone. If you got one, get it off your hip, off your back, wherever you've got it hidden, pull it out. Now, I know some of you still use flip phones. That's okay. God bless you. It's all right. You're saving the world by doing that. We appreciate that. Here's what I want you to do. The first thing is I want you to hit the mute button on your phone. Some of you will not do that. And um, if you don't know where the mute button is on your phone, just look for a millennial and ask them, and it'll tell you exactly where that is. Here's what I want you to do. Hold your phones out for a little bit. But the first thing I want you to do, open up your phone. Start to look through the apps that are on your phone. Some of you probably have like 12 pages of apps. And you don't even use one page of apps, right? You know, maybe your kids have taken your phone and they've added a bunch of apps. Maybe you heard, hey, this is supposed to be a great app, and so you've put that on your phone, but you've never even used it. But as you look through and scroll through some of the apps that are on your phone there, you're going you're gonna to see all kinds of different things that we do with these things. These are, these are little computers we carry around with us all the time now. Uh, you can bank with your phone. I can literally deposit a check. If I had one right now, if somebody wanted to give me one, I could actually deposit that money into my bank account right now just just using an app on, on my phone. So we do finances through it. Maybe you love weather stuff. I, I love keeping up with the weather. And so I've got a, a favorite app that I, I use for that. Maybe you've got the same thing there. Um, maybe, maybe you love sports. So maybe you have the Sports Center, the ESPN app, uh, where you keep up with your teams, unless you're a Redskins fan. You don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> hey, my team plays next week, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Thank you. God bless you for saying that. Anyway. You go to Dunkin' Donuts, you can pay for your food through the app. You know, it's Starbucks, if you like that really burnt coffee, you can go to Starbucks, you can do the same thing. Um, I'm just kidding, it's actually pretty good. To-do list, your wife, guys, they just say, hey, I need you to go get this. Let me put it on my phone. You put it in, but then you go get it and you get the wrong stuff, right? You come home, like, I wanted unsalted butter, not salted butter. Like, what? You got to tell me exactly what you want. But we can keep a list of things that we need on a to-do list here. Uh, we can do emails. We can network with, with people. Did you know you can actually make phone calls with one of these things? <laughs> How many of us don't even use them to make phone calls a- anymore? But there's all kinds of apps here, and we use them for all different aspects of, of life. But, but here's the deal. You click on one of these icons... And you can type in some information or ask a question, but what, what's it going to regurgitate back to you? Just data. Someone has spent the time, and they're making billions of dollars now, but, but putting together an algorithm so that when you ask or you put some information into your app, you're going to get something back in return, data that is there, data that it's pulling from all over the place. Here's the one thing you can't get, life advice. You can't ask, hey, this is going on in my marriage. What do you think? And the app's like, well, here's exactly what you need to do. No, we don't find that through the apps that are on our phones. There's a better place to find life application. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of these areas as we start this brand new series today, as Jerry said, called Life Apps. Again, we're going to look at life applications that we find not through apps on our phone, but through Scripture. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at money, and we're going to look at time, we're going to look at dating, we're going to look at parenting, we're going to look at all these different categories of life, and we're going to see what Scripture has to say about getting us to a place where we have healthy relationships, and our finances are healthy, and we're spending our time wisely, and we're dating in a healthy way. This is what we're going to do over the next few weeks, and so we we ask you to come back and be a part of this over the next six weeks here at The Journey. Now, 
as we get started this morning, don't put your phone away, keep it out. I want you to look and find your contact app. Again, some of you probably don't know where that is, but get somebody beside you to help you if you don't. And as you open up your contact app and you look through that list, you know, what do you see? A bunch of names, right? But who are those people there? I'm looking at mine here, and there's a name. I actually just, I don't even know who this person is anymore. I'm sure there was a connection somewhere, but I don't know who they, they are. Somebody I worked with, somebody that I knew from, uh, you know, early on in ministry when we were up in New Jersey. I see family names and friend names, people that I don't talk to anymore, people I had a conversation with last week. You know, your contact list is populated with all kinds of different names. But what do we know about these names? The relationships. There's a relationship that you have with the people on here. Again, it may have been in the past, and it may be a relationship that you have right now, but there's this connection to the people that are on your contact list. Some of those relationships are still pretty close. Some of them aren't close at all anymore. But here's what we know about relationships. Relationships are important. And relationships take more than just one person. It takes two people to have a relationship. And so this morning, I want to talk about that a little bit. And I want to begin here. Again, like I just said, that you and I are created for relationships. If we go back and we look at the very beginning of the Bible, we have the creation story. And in this story, we read about how God creates everything. But then at the very end, you know, his greatest creation is this, this man named Adam. But here's what happens. Look at Genesis 2.18. It says, God says this, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So God looks around and he says, everybody else has a partner, everybody else has a connection, everybody else is having relationships, all these animals, you know, plants, everything. But man has nobody. And so God said, hey, let's make this relationship happen. And he creates woman. You and I were created to be in relationships with other people. And as we begin this brand new year, what would it look like for you and I to have healthy life-giving relationships with people around us. Scott Peck is an American psychiatrist, and um, Scott said this. He said that most of the relationships that you and I have fall in this category here. They fall into the category of pseudo-relationships. It'll come up here on the screen in a second. There it is. Pseudo-relationships. He said these are the relationships that most of the relationships you and I have fall under, which means we have guarded but polite relationships with people. And again, most of our relationships fall in this category. This is what this looks like. Hey, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing well. How's your wife? Ah, oh, she's great. How about yours? Oh, that's great. How, how are the kids? Kids are wonderful. Everything's great. How's work? Work's great. And it's no problem at all. Just a little bit busy. Oh, I'm busy too. Man, this sounds like your life is great. My life is great. That's great. We'll back, catch back up a few weeks from now, right? This is the conversation we have all the time, isn't it? What's the reality? Your life's not great. Your marriage stinks. Your kids are terrible. Your job, you're ready to leave, right? That's what you feel like sometimes. But we get with other people, and they start asking us, and they say their life's great. Well, <laughs> if your life's great, my life needs to be great too. And so let's just be honest. We kind of make up some lies, right? We don't necessarily tell the full truth about what's happening in our lives. Peck says most of the relationships you and I have fall in that category. The funny part is, for some of us, we have those conversations with other people, and we think that we just had a real deep conversation. It's like, oh, no, you really didn't. Uh, let me put it to you another way. 
It's really cold outside. When I drove up this morning, it was 13 degrees. The wind's blowing now, so it's really, really, really cold outside. Um, so you're probably starting to think about the summertime and going someplace warm, right? You're thinking about beach vacations. Where are you going to go to hang out for a vacation? And many of us will go to the beach. But when you go to the beach, you know, you walk out from wherever you're standing. You go out, and you've got this beautiful sand. Got all of these people all around. Maybe depending on where you are, you see some palm trees. But then you have this big, huge ocean right there in front of you. But here's the deal. You begin to walk out into the water. This big old ocean. You just kind of tiptoe in. And you only go in about your knees. Big old body of water. Yeah, I'm just going to my knees. Or maybe you get real crazy and go into about your waist. See, some of us, that's about as deep as we'll get when it comes to the ocean. Now, why is that? Fear. We're scared. What is that thing that just rubbed up against my ankle? <laughs> Was it a fish? Was it a jellyfish? Was it a piece of seaweed? Was it somebody? Was it Jaws? Let's just be honest. Some of us don't go into the water very deep because of a movie that was made in 1975, 42 years ago. We're still freaked out about going into the water because of a movie called Jaws, right? Some of you, I know that that's exactly where you are. Um, we're fearful. We figure out if somebody else is a little bit farther out than we are, then if trouble comes, as long as we beat them back to shore, we'll be fine. That's the way we view the ocean. It's, it's only the place that we'll stay. We'll stay in the shallow end. So many of our relationships, guess what, are shallow. There's no depth at all. We fit into these pseudo-relationships, these guarded, as Peck says, guarded but polite places. And we have little to no commitment, just like with the ocean. There's little to no commitment to the relationships in our life. Now, there's a flip side to this. Bill Hybels is a pastor in the Chicago area, and he wrote a book called Community, and in it, he said that um, we hunger, humans hunger for something else. We hunger for genuine community. Or if you're from the South, genuine community, right? That's how you say it. But we hunger for this genuine community. We are looking for something so much different. And in fact, Heibel says we need, we need healthy, life-giving relationships in our lives. A place where we finally pull the masks away. Or, or we walk out from behind that facade, that thing that we've been hiding behind. You and I need those kinds of relationships. Places that we can be encouraged and celebrated. Places that we can be open and honest. Places where we can share the problems and the pain and, and the hurt that we've had in our life and maybe still have. We need those kinds of relationships where people love us unconditionally but again most of us hang out in those pseudo relationships maybe marriage is one of the the only places we find genuine relationships and I think even for some of us we struggle there but we are called to we hunger for we desire genuine relationships in our life let's go back to the beach for a moment about 10 years ago, our family went on vacation to the Outer Banks, and some of Kara's family was there. And so uh, we were hanging, hanging out with them. And uh, one day, um, two of the brother-in-law said, hey, Chad, we're going to go surfing. Do you want to go with us? Well, I've never been surfing before. I said, sure. You know, I'm going to man up. My brother-in-laws are calling me out on this. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go. 
So myself and one brother-in-law had never been surfing before, and the other brother-in-law, he has been, and he's pretty experienced at it. So we got in the truck, we threw all the boards in there, we took off, drove down to Avon. Um, Avon is supposed to be, my understanding, it's one of the best places on the East Coast to go surfing. Well, we pulled out on the beach, we get out of the truck, and I looked out, and, and I saw the waves breaking there on shore. I'm like, hey, those waves are pretty good. I said, you know, that should be kind of fun to surf on those. And my brother-in-law, who had been surfing before, he's like, those are kind of nice right here. We're actually going to those out there. I said, what? He's like, yeah, those out there, they're breaking at that sandbar. I said, those way out there? He's like, yeah, that's where we're heading. I was like, oh, okay. At that point in time, there's no turning around, right? You're going to show off in front of your brother-in-laws and said, all right, guys, let's, let's go. Let's make it happen. So we all grabbed our boards, and we started to paddle out and paddle out and paddle out and paddle out. And we finally got you know, to where we were going to surf. And so for the next, uh, not very long for me, but um, for the next little bit, we were out there, and he was trying to teach us how to surf. Uh, there's a few observations that I made when uh, I was out there throughout my time surfing. Uh, the first is, do you know that the deeper you go out in the water, it's actually colder? <laughs> it's like real warm near the front. I don't know if it's because all the kids are there or what, but if you want. Anyway, <laughs> it's real warm there, but it's not very really warm when you go out farther. Once you get past the breakers where the, the ocean's breaking, it's actually pretty quiet out in the ocean. You don't hear a whole lot. It's serene. It's a little, a little scary, but, but it's really quiet and serene. Here's the other thing I noticed where we were, we were surfing. Once you fall off the surfboard many, 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 many times, um, you realize you're in really deep water because you never touch the bottom when you fall off. <laughs> and so I thought, wow, this is not a place that if there's trouble, I'm going to get out of real fast. You know, <laughs> I know I can, I think I can outswim one of these guys. I'm not sure about the other one. So if Jaws shows up, it's going to be a battle to see who gets back to shore first. But it's deeper. Now, why do I bring that up? Because I think when it comes to the relationships you and I have, we need deeper relationships. Now, here's what I can tell you. It's a lot scarier. It's a bigger challenge. It's harder to run from trouble when you're in those places, when the water's deeper, when the relationships are deeper. But in the end, it's so much more beneficial to who you and I are and who God has created us to be. I don't like swimming in deep water. It is not fun for me at all. But I also know that there are different experiences that happen there. It's the same thing with our relationships. We can either live in the shallow waters or we can, for, we can forge our way out into the deeper waters that are there. And stronger, healthy relationships are all about going into deep water. Can we do it? Can we make ourselves make that happen? Well, what would those genuine relationships look like in our lives? If you have a Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And if not, it'll be up here on the screen. I think it's in your program notes too. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting with verse 9. Here's what it says. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can warm one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. King Solomon wrote these words, and he was known to be the wisest man to ever live. And as he writes these words, he's talking about life-giving, healthy relationships and what they look like. I mean, notice some of the things he says there. He said, 
Do you have someone to help pick you up? Someone to brush off your pants? Someone to help you succeed, to keep you warm? He talks about winning the battle. How many issues, problems, battles do we face in life? And, and we don't do it with anyone else. We're trying to do it alone. Solomon says, no. It's so much better with at least two people. In fact, he says, it's even better if you have three involved. If you were to go back and look at your contact list again, how many of those relationships that you find in here are deep? How many of them are genuine? My guess is probably not very many at all. For some of us, maybe none of them are. And yet that is what we are created for. That is what we desire. And that's what we hungry for. My fear is that many of us will go through life falling alone. And if we fall alone, there's nobody there to help us up. And so we have to begin to build genuine, life-giving relationships with other people. We have to move out of the shallow water into the deep water. We have to be willing to do that. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by traveling through the tunnel of not love, some of you are thinking, but the tunnel of chaos. It's very different. Tunnel of chaos. Uh, anybody in here have a phobia of tunnels? Nobody does? You're not going to tell anybody? we got a couple people? Okay. Um, let me give you the technical term for the phobia of tunnels. You ready for this? You might want to write this down. It's really big. Um, it's called tunnel phobia. <laughs> I mean, this one's so scary, they don't even give one of those names you can't even pronounce, okay? Tunnel phobia. It's actually a manifestation of claustrophobia. But why are we afraid of tunnels? Why do we get fearful when we head toward a tunnel? Well, it's pretty simple. We're afraid the mountain that we're going under is just going to collapse as soon as we're right in the middle of it, right? Or, you know, here, when you're going on a, a tunnel, there's all this water on top. And we think all of a sudden there's going to be more water. It's going to weight it down. And it's going to just pour in and we're going to drown. Which I can kind of get because when you're driving through some of the tunnels around here, you see water just like cascading down the, down the side on the wall. You're like, that can't be good. Or you're driving, you see it coming out of the ceiling. Like, I don't, I don't think there's supposed to be a hole right there. So you drive a little bit faster if you can to get out of that. Um, maybe you're afraid the air is going to get sucked out. Or worse yet, your car is going to break down right in the middle. How long am I going to be here? Am I going to be able to get out of here? What if something happens? What if there's another wreck? I'm, you know, we, so we, we kind of build this up in our mind, and we have this, this phobia of tunnels when we go through them. There's risk in that. I understand the fear that's a part of that. But when you travel through a tunnel, what's the best part? When you see the light at the other end, right? And you move from the place you were to the destination you're going to, you go through that particular tunnel. In our relationships... If we're going to move from the shallow to the deep, we have to be willing to travel through this tunnel of chaos, which means risk, which means fear. We don't all of a sudden say one day, hey, I'm going to have genuine relationships with these three people. Hey, let me tell you something. We're going to be in this genuine relationship together, and it's just going to happen. It takes effort. There's got to be conversations that take place. You've got to open yourself up. You've got to share those stories that maybe you've been hiding deep down inside. You've got to share your struggles. And that person's got to do the exact same thing. To move from these shallow relationships to deeper relationships, you and I have to be willing to travel through this tunnel of chaos. Now, there's a price to be paid, of course. You're bearing your soul. You're telling a lot about yourself, maybe some stuff you don't want people to know. Now, when I talk about these relationships, I'm not talking about you're supposed to have a genuine relationship with everybody in your life, okay? That'd be a little strange, a little weird. Um, my guess is probably three to about six or seven people you can have these relationships with. 
people that you do bear your soul with. And they do the exact same thing. This isn't a one-way street. This is a two-way street. It's happening between both people. But all of us desire and hunger for that. But we have to be willing to travel through that tunnel of chaos to get to that place. There in your program, there's a slot. I think it says names, and there's three numbers there. Think about the three most important relationships in your life right now. Now, who are those people? If you're married, one of those people should be your spouse, okay? Um, if you're not married and you've got a fiancé, probably that would be good. If you're dating somebody and been dating for a while and you think marriage is on the rise, they probably should put their name in there too. But what about the other two? Who are those three people in your life? Can I go on a limb here and tell you that my guess is at least one of those three is someone that you don't, you think, but you really don't have a genuine relationship with. We hide a lot. We don't tell a lot. We like being in the shallow, shallow end so we can get out quickly. And yet we actually desire and hunger and are created for these deeper relationships. Think about those people and how you can travel through that tunnel of chaos to get to that place of life-giving relationships with them. Well, what's the outcome of these kind of relationships so you're cared for you're celebrated you're encouraged you're led you grow there's openness again it's not easy but it is beneficial and if we travel through that tunnel of chaos you know the best part is there's a light at the end of the tunnel there's a place where we can feel just like solomon talks about where we have people helping us succeed helping us up they're keeping us warm they're helping us through the battles of life i think all of us would love to have relationships just like that Maybe one or two people. But we see that that is where we're heading and moving and becoming who God has created us to be. Now, there's another part to this diagram that I want to add. And this one's so important. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. Again, we'll have it up here on the screen. Acts 2, 42. Here's what it says. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved you've probably heard that before you've probably read it many many times but i want you to think about this just for a moment you know this is really the foundation of the church beginning but understand that here are a group of jewish people okay at the time they're jewish people and they have two relationships they have the relationship with god and have the relationship with other people now what brought them together it was really the rules and the laws that they were told to follow a lot of their connection to God was based on, here, do these specific things. A lot of their relationships were other people, like, hey, do these certain things, and it brought them together. Something changes, though. Something changes, and we see it happening right here in Acts chapter 2. What changes is Jesus shows up. What changes their relationships is Jesus. And we go back and look at some of these things. They met together regularly. Here's what this tells me as I read through this. I don't think they were necessarily doing it before. They were getting together some. All of a sudden, they're doing it regularly. It says they worship daily. I'm not sure they were worshiping daily before. They were taking the Lord's Supper together. They were sharing meals. 
They shared with each other. They were, they were taking their own possessions. They were selling them and taking that money and giving it to those that had need. To me, as I read this, I'm seeing that I don't think they were doing this very much before. See, I think Jesus showed up and it changed everything. Jesus showed up and it changed the relationships. All of a sudden, you, you see this group of people that are connected because of this common bond, this, this commonality of Jesus Christ. And God is using that to change their relationships with each other. And what's it say? They're more generous. They were happy. They were full of joy. I think their relationships are getting a lot deeper. All because of Jesus. And if you have relationships that are struggling, which most of us probably do, my guess is the one thing that's missing more than anything else is Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus shows up here in the early church and things changed. I mean, what was it that made the early church such a force? It was Jesus. What had brought about all this spiritual growth in people's lives? I truly believe it was because of Jesus. What brought about all these needs being met? I think it was Jesus. What brought these relationships together? I really believe it was Jesus. And what in our life can take us to these ocean-deep relationships that we need and desire and hunger for? I truly believe the one thing that has to be there is Jesus. I mean, we can try to have relationships outside of that, but I think you'll find they're still tough, and we still find ourselves in these pseudo-relationships. Until Jesus is a part of that, I don't think we ever fully have those life-giving, healthy relationships that we're created for. Now, here's the problem. Many of us will stay stuck in these pseudo-relationships. We'll just say, I don't want to tell anybody too much. I don't want to open up too much. I want to mask who I am. And so we, we stay in these shallow relationships. Now, a few of us will say, I'm going to get a little crazy and start walking through the tunnel of chaos, all right? And so we'll take a couple of steps, and then somebody will ask us that question. Like, oh, I can't tell you that. And we'll, we'll walk back, and we'll just keep things shallow. And then we think, okay, now I need, to, I need to have some more healthy relationships. So we'll start walking through that tunnel again, and they'll ask another question. Like, oh, I, I'm not ready to, to disclose that yet. And so we, we go back to those pseudo-relationships. See, many of us, we have a choice, but we don't go very far. We either stay in the shallow, we walk in the tunnel a little bit, but we never get to those genuine, deep relationships. When you put Jesus in the midst of all of that, I think that changes that. Because then there's someone else who's leading you through that. There's someone guiding you to that next step. And even in that chaos, and even though you might want to step back, well, you can say, okay, Jesus can lead me through this. I truly believe it leads us to those healthy relationships in our lives. So why not let Jesus give us those healthy, life-giving relationships? In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You see the word love there three times. Uh, in the Greek, that's the word agape, all three times. And that Greek word means sacrificial. It means sacrificial. Jesus says, hey, guess what? I gave my life for you. I sacrificed for you in this way. This is how much I loved you. And now in your relationships, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to be all in. I want you to give all that you have to the relationships that you have in your life and see what I can do through that. Do you have those sacrificial relationships in your life? Do you show that kind of sacrificial love to other people? 
Well, for us to move from pseudo-relationships, that shallow relationship, to that deep relationship, it's about focusing on Jesus and being sacrificial. Again, we go back, we see that's what took place in the early church. It changed everything. We sit here right here today, 2,000 years later, because of what was happening within that early church there in those first few days and months and years. Why? Because they were focused on Jesus. And we can see the same thing happen in our lives. If we can have sacrificial love ourselves. I don't believe we are created to have shallow relationships. I truly believe we're called to have deep relationships with some people can be there for us, that can support us, that can help us, and that we can do the same for them. But we have to be willing to take that trip. We have to be willing to take those steps. In fact, this morning, I'm going to give you a couple of next steps that you can take from our time together. The first is this. I want you to write down three names of people in your life that you need to have a genuine relationship with or you desire a genuine relationship with. Okay, Three people. Some of those people you may already know. Again, you may be married to that person. Uh, it may be a family member or somebody you work with. But who are those three people? And I want you to write those names down. But here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to go to those people and tell them, okay, hey, I want to be a genuine, in a genuine relationship with you. Or you're not going to write them a note, hey, would you like to be in a genuine relationship? Yes, no, maybe, okay? I don't want you to do that today. It's not what I want you to do. I want you to write those three names down, and then I want you to pray about them. Just pray. Don't do anything. Let God lead you into that relationship with that person. But take the time to write those names down and begin to pray for who are those three people in your life that you say, I have got to work on this. This has got to be a healthy, life-giving relationship. And start to pray for those people and see what God does through that. Because I truly believe God will lead you to that. But we have to be willing to pray for those people. Here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to test drive our journey life groups. I didn't say buy. I didn't say lease. I said test drive, okay? And so when you came in this morning, there should have been one of these cards sitting on your seat. If you didn't know there's one, you're sitting on it. Uh, so you might want to reach down and grab that. But here's what I'm asking you to do this morning. I'm asking you to fill this out. Would you fill this out for us? And you put in the offering baskets here a little bit if you're not a part of one of our life groups here. Um, if you come to church on a Sunday morning, and you think this is the place that you're going to have life-giving relationships, you're sadly wrong. It is never going to happen here on a Sunday morning. Never. Where it does happen is in our life groups. What I want to do right now, I want to invite our life group leaders, and if you're a host family of a life group, if you don't mind coming up here in the front for just a moment. I know sometimes when we talk about life groups and being a part of life groups, people get a little scared. Like, who are these people? Are they super Christians? Are they super good-looking? Uh, I mean, look at this crew that's coming up here right now. I, they're really good-looking, <laughs> super good-looking. But none of them have a big old, you know, capital C on their chest or anything like that. Um, they're, they're just normal. This is, this is not our whole group of life group leaders. We have about 16 life groups here at uh, The Journey, and this is just a small portion of our leaders. But uh, I wanted them to come up here because I want you to see who they are. Here's the deal. They're normal. Look at them. They're normal people. Some of them are couples. All of them have, are married up here. Sorry if you're single. Um, <laughs> here's what I know about this group, and I know about all of our, our life group leaders. They love God, and they love people. 
And I know there's nothing that they would love more than to see people have more life-giving relationships. And I truly believe the only place you will ever find that is if you're a part of a life group. You jump in. Now, let me just tell you this, too, because some of you may be a little afraid. Does that mean if I go the first time, like, they're going to ask me, you know, your whole story. You know, tell me about all your sins. Tell me all the baggage you carry. Tell me all the problems you have. Tell us about your marriage. You're like, oh, gosh, I don't want to tell anybody that stuff right now. That's not what happens in life groups, okay? I promise you. Um, what happens in life groups is you get to know other people. And you get to build friendships. My wife and I, we have friends from, you know, we've been married together almost 20 years now. And we have friends over all the, the places that we've lived and all the life groups that we've had. We have connections with people still to this day. There are still people we can call up and like, hey, I know we haven't talked in a while, but let me talk to you about this. I know some of you, you're here for three or four uh, years, right? You're in the military, you're here for a few years, and you're afraid to get connected. You're like, I'm going to be out of here. I don't care if you've only got six more months here. Jump into a life group for a short period of time. God can do amazing things in your life. But you've got to take that step. I mean, we can introduce these people. We can tell you how great the life groups are, and they really are. But you've got to be willing to take that step. And so this morning, we're inviting you to take that step. Fill this out. Put it in the offering trays a little bit later on. And we'll connect with you this week. And we'll talk to you and get you involved in our life groups. Again, we didn't say jump in full force. We said test drive. See what God can do. I love these people, and they're doing amazing things. You guys give them a hand as they go back to their seats. We can stay in the shallow water or we can go the deep water. Choice is yours. You get to make that choice. We don't get to make it for you. But I can promise you if you take that step, God will transform you. And when you have those deep, genuine relationships with other people, God will use you to transform the lives of others. But you've got to take that step. And so that's what we're inviting you to today. Be a part of healthy, life-giving relationships in your life. And let God work through that in your life. Today, we're going to take communion together as a church community, as we do every single week here at The Journey. And as we do, it kind of takes me back to those words Jesus said. He says, I give to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to this earth. And Jesus was sacrificed for us. That's incredible amazing love and now we're invited to do the same thing with others do you have that kind of sacrificial love for people in your life if not you should and there's no better place to start and to begin that today than as we take communion as a church community together